This is the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Liberals, um, wow. When they said it was going to be nasty, I don't think the liberals thought or everybody thought it was going to be them taking the campaign into the gutter. Uh, The liberals are worse than Ford, it seems, it appears. First it was the bully comment, then he's a dick. Wow. When she said it was going to get nasty, she wasn't kidding. But we thought they met the PCs, not the liberals. Uh, clearly, that's uh, what's been happening here. Uh, co-chair of the Liberal campaign, his name's David Hurl, uh, made a comment last week on CP24 saying, uh, well, uh, here's the clip. No, I think people like Rob Ford, and I think people think Doug Ford's a bit of a dick, to be honest. So there you go. There's the comment. Uh, let's bring in Alyssa Freeman, PR pop culture expert, principal at Alyssa Freeman PR, and is with us now. Alyssa, how are you today? Okay, so I was wondering what we could say on the radio and what we couldn't, but clearly you have opened the gate for that to that for me. <laughs> well, you know, I don't think I did it. <laughs> I think I'm just repeating it. Well, this is true, so I guess there's a difference. Uh, you know, when our when our premier's campaign manager says it, I guess it's free game, is it? I don't know. That's a great question. I should have asked my boss. Can we say this on the air? I think as long as they don't call you one, you're we're fine. I think the deal is is that, you know, once you've seen it actually printed in the media and nobody is sort of blanking it out yeah. or saying called him a whatever, film who, an, a, expletive, then I'm pretty sure it's free game. But who who decides first? But I guess he said it on live television, so there it is. Well, I think that, you know, as far as the media is concerned, you know, things like that where we used to be very reticent to say expletives or colloquial names that we would call people like in a pejorative manner, you know, we'd be very reticent to say that. Remember George Carlin? What yeah, is it, the six seven, word, words? seven words you can't, seven say, words on you can't say on TV. Yeah. Well, I can give them to you right now. Want to hear them? No. <laughs> I still remember them. You know, I think that most of them you probably can. Yeah. Well, again, I think you can use those words. You just can't call people those. And I well, think that's where the, that's that's where the, the issue thing. is. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you talk about how, um, who was it, David Hurley, when he... Is it Hurley or Hurl? Hurl. I don't know. I don't know. Well, Anyways, when he... Uh, it's called, mud, Actually, it's mud right now. Well, well, that's exactly what his name is. So, I mean, when it comes from a campaign manager and you're in the war room, I mean, you know, heaven knows what they're calling, you know, the opponent, really. I, I, you know, that's all within four walls. So sometimes we forget that colloquial expressions that we use every day are not acceptable in certain arenas. And calling somebody a dick is... One of those expressions is one of those. So, you know, when I was reading the article and I was reading some of the comments, it was quite interesting because many people were saying, you know, if somebody from Doug Ford's camp had called Kathleen Wynne that, there would have been calls for him to step down. But because it came from the liberals, it's like, okay, slap on the wrist, move on. So how big a deal is this? How damaging is this? Well, it's damaging for the day, Scott. You know, is this going to go past 24-hour news cycle? Probably not. Will the Ford campaign bring it up maybe in a debate just to, you know, sort of debase the liberals? Maybe. Um, but you know what? It's, it's kind of easily swept away. And right now there's, you know, well, actually, you know, some other news did come out. But until uh, about 12 noon today, it was prominent on the news cycle. So, uh, let's be honest, this wasn't a mistake. 
He, you, people who are campaign chairs don't sit there on a panel on live TV and just let this slip out, or do they? Because if they do, that's pretty stupid. Uh, I'm thinking this was tested, this was planned. You don't say it. I'm going to go on TV and I'm going to call him that. Yeah, tell me, I would hope tell it me, wasn't planned because did, how, yeah, but you know, how does this guy let planning? How does a then guy the liberals are in real trouble? How does a guy with this kind of experience? He's running the campaign, Alyssa. How can he have sat there and not known this was going to get blowback? I mean, even when he said it, everybody just went, "Oh my God, I can't believe he just said that." You know, sometimes people think that they can get away with things and that the, there's a, the line that you cross gets moved further and further away from you. And you kind of don't know until you do it. So it's not like you can test this and say, okay, let's phone, you know, Nanos and check and But test clearly out. they decided they were going to be attacking. Clearly they, when she said it's going to get nasty, everybody just assumed she just meant that Ford was going to get nasty. But literally what she was doing was setting us up for, no, she's already called the guy a bully. Now her campaign manager just called the guy a dick. So she's the one that's taking it into the gutter. We're uh, all expecting him to. Yeah, but when she said it's going to get nasty, you know, as somebody who's been watching political campaigns for many, many years, when somebody says the campaign's going to get nasty, you know, it is mudslinging, but it normally plays out in their ads. So when I think of a campaign getting nasty, it's sort of third party when you see it on TV or you hear it in the radio or you start getting the robocalls. So, you know, if that's how, I mean, how low can you go, I guess, is is the expression. And I think that that, that, that's pretty low. You know, I I would hate to think, really, Scott, I'm I'm soon going to err on the side of, you know, spontaneity here. And I would hate to think that somebody thought actually in a room to come up with and say, listen, when you're on this panel, just mention that you think he's a dick and let's see what the, and let's try and take over the narrative for the news for the next 24 hours. I would hate to think that somebody actually thought that that was a good strategy. Here is a great call. Uh, Listen to this from a listener. Uh, we need to address that technically he didn't call him a dick. He said that people think he's a bit of a dick. Therefore, we shouldn't be saying he called him a dick. I think, uh, well, Come on, that, that does that is, fly? That is, I won't, you know, uh, that is a valid point. Oh, come that's on. Little, I don't think, I don't think Alyssa's, I don't think Alyssa, I don't think Alyssa is this, but I think everyone else thinks Alyssa is that. Oh, it, come well, on. The, that is cowardice. Okay, well. That's cowardice. Okay. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, oh, gee, thank you. So I, I, know, I know your name is on the show, so I defer. But, no, you go ahead. But, you know, we are splitting hairs. So what I want to say to the listener is, you know, that's really splitting hairs. You can say he didn't call him directly. You could say it sort of as a, you know, a third party comment that people think he's a dick. But, you know, any way you want to couch it, he called him a dick. Whether you say that he thinks people think or I think people think. So for me, it's like people who have a Twitter account and write all this inflammatory stuff and then say, you know, that maybe they work for a news organization or for a Bay Street company and they say opinions are my own. Well, guess what? No, they're not. So in this case, I think that falls under the same category. And tell me if you don't think the apology falls under the same category, because Friday evening he issued a statement saying he regrets using the term and apologizes, quote, without qualification. 
then goes on to say this, quote, Doug Ford has a long history of using derogatory and insulting terms to refer to a wide range of people with whom he disagrees, including female journalists, parents of autistic children, and many others, he said. No matter how commonplace such conduct might be for Mr. Ford, it is no justification to follow suit. Last time I checked, Mr. Ford didn't call anyone a bully or a dick. I have to tell you, that is the most ridiculous, self-flagellating, pompous apology I've ever heard. You know, it should have have ended after, I'm sorry I called him that, end of story. You know, if you're doing an apology like that, obviously you think this narrative is really strong in your adult mind. And you think that, you know, this is such a strong narrative, I'm going to keep fanning the flames. So I'm going to write an apology that's as inflammatory as my first phrase. That's what that says to me. So, you know, to take your point, you know, maybe they think that this is, I'm not going to really apologize because look at Doug Ford. He's, he said all these terrible things about other people. So why is everybody jumping on me? Honestly? It's cowardice. Uh, you know what? You were locked in the gym cupboard when you were 12 years old and now you're getting back at all those guys who did it? <laughs> like, really? Really? Is this where we have to go? You think that's actually intelligent and smart? You know, I, th- I think that the voting public is, is tired of stuff like this. And, I mean, I, even, you know, myself, I would look at elections sort of maybe with a bit of excitement and a bit of hope for change or, you know, keep things the way I, I thought they should be. But now I just kind of look at it in such a jaded way that, and I think a lot of the voting public is looking at it like that, too. What is going to happen to this campaign manager should he be replaced? Oh, is he going to? Is he going to replace? Is he going to ride this right to the end? And oh, I think be the so. center of attention. I would, I would be really shocked. I, I can't see the liberals getting rid of a campaign manager over this. Really, I can't. If they're allowing him, you know, when statements come out, it's not one person who writes a statement and then you know puts it out there. There's about ten people who look at it. So there's lots of people. In, so you think you know, he may have, this may have been the plan to say this. Well, and that's why I think it is the absolutely most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. You know, is her, you know, her rating is so bad that nobody really cares what she has to say about policies. And so now she's going to start doing the scrape the bottom of the barrel strategy. So if this is the case, I can hardly wait till tomorrow. It, you know, when, she, when people asked her about this comment, she said, of course, he should apologize. But then when someone asked her, well, you, you made reference to a bully, she, she weaseled out of that one and said, well, I didn't call him a bully. I called his actions. Okay, well, you so know. So there again, just, it's the same sort of thing. This is just liberal double talk, and aren't we all just really tired of it? You know, and I admit, I have voted liberal in the past, not for this government, but I have voted liberal in the past. And, you know, when I... Me too. This, I have voted for all three. This is, this is really just, you know, I, I think that for, for the campaign, the liberal campaign, they're thinking, you know what, there's not a lot that we can do right here. So let's throw the playbook out and then let's just do what we can and see what sticks. I really think so. Do you think they were doing this in order to get a reaction from him, waiting for him to bite? You know, maybe, because, you know, he hasn't come out with his, his five-point plan yet. And my guess is he's not coming out to, with it until May. That, that's my guess. Uh, you know, and, and I think that, you know, Doug Ford is, I've been watching his press secretary, uh, Lindsay Vanstone, uh, Insta stories, and he's going all over Ontario, all over small-town Ontario, everywhere. And he's getting good crowds. Yeah. 
and you know, I'm not the only one watching this. I'm mm-hmm. sure everybody in everybody's camp is watching this stuff. So, you know, in order to knock things off kilter a bit, what else are they going to do but go the discredit route? Do you think that this, she, do you think Kathleen Wynne is comfortable with this? Because to me, she looks really uncomfortable trying to play the strong arm. And even, Absolutely you know, not. even when her. She's uncomfortable at all. When, <laughs> even when she tried to say bully, she was like tap dancing. It oh, was as if she what? didn't That's feel just, comfy. I think she's just, you know, and the Emmy goes too. Oh, you, know, you think it's just the grandma playing the part? Yeah, right? you know, she knows what she's supposed to say. She yeah. absolutely knows. Kathleen Wynne is, can be a fearsome and uh, really excellent and strategic campaigner, really. And you, know, you just can't take her off the table. So, you know, right now they're not moving the needle. The liberals really aren't moving the needle. I haven't seen the latest poll, but last I looked, it didn't look great. And they know her rating is low. It, you know, what, what more can you do if... You know, policies, you know, a po- they got a little bit of a post-budget bounce, but most political parties do. And then reality sits in and, go, sets in and goes, okay, well, that was great. Now that I figured out that this is going to cost, you know, me, my children, my grandchildren, and my grandchildren's children all this money, maybe I'm not so enamored. So I think that really, you know, you sit in that war room and you think, what are we going to do in order to shake this up and really expose who we think Doug Ford really is, then, you know, maybe this is the strategy. It's just discredit Ford and go for the jugular and wait till he makes a misstep. So this week, it's the bully comment, then the comment by the campaign chair. Uh, where we're still in April. Where does this go come May and June? Like to me, this is an early card to play. Uh, are we just going to continue to hear this right through to election time? This one strategy. I think it really depends. Like if you look at the early ads that are coming out, and it's, they're very sort of comparing him to Trump, mm-hmm. for to Trump. I mean, yeah. I think you get sort of a bit of a flavor of that. Yeah. And I, you know. There are no better ads than when a party is down and they're looking to discredit. Really, there aren't. I mean, and, and some really great work can be done. Um, I didn't think that this ad was particularly fantastic. I thought it was a bit predictable, but then, you know, I'm looking at it at a different lens. So I, I think that, yeah, I think that the campaign is going to get nastier. I think they're going to wait for a misstep. And right now they're attacking the person versus the platform because really there isn't one. So we'll see. What does Ontario think of this and comments like this? Do you think they are just cynical? You know, I'd be interested to see what the next research poll says. I think that they, or do you a think lot people of Ontarians are saying, think, well, yeah, maybe he is a dick, but he's not <laughs> Kathleen Wynne, so we're going that way. Here's the other thing that I said in my commentary. How disheartening is it for the liberals, and this is very much like the Democrats under Hillary with what happened in the United States, again, completely missing the point and pointing fingers towards their candidates and going, look what dicks these people are. How does it resonate in liberal land that, you know, even though this guy's that, they'd still rather have that than, than you. Well, I think that's kind of, that's an interesting um, analogy, actually, Scott. And that, it kind of reminds me, and I think what you're alluding to is when she called Trump supporters, they're just in a, a basket of deplorables. Yeah, yeah. And first of all, basket of deplorables is not a phrase that people use and maybe not everybody would understand. So it's an elitist phrase talking about a wide swath of the country that she felt wasn't smart enough to back her. 
So, you know, when you get into divisive language like that, it's amazing what people will tolerate and what people won't tolerate. And, and name-calling is, is juvenile, no matter whether you couch it in some intellectual term like basket of deplorables or you choose to just call somebody a dick. And uh, like I said before, I think that, yeah, maybe people think that, you know, Doug Ford is a bit of a dick, but again, he's not Kathleen Wynne, and so that they'll put up with it. But basically, I think that Ontarians just think name-calling is about scraping the bottom of the barrel. So it does, does it reek of desperation, do you think, to to them, to to voters? All right, let me me ask you a quote about Shania Twain coming into Hamilton to host the Canadian uh, Country Music Awards a Mm -hmm. little later on, uh, talking about uh, President Trump and now apologizing for saying that she would have voted for him. She said, uh, this is at an interview that appeared Sunday morning in The Guardian uh, because her tour is is about to kick off a leg uh, in the UK, so they do the typical interview, and then in the last couple of lines, it's like, what do you think of Trump, I guess? She says, quote, I would have voted for him because even though he, w- he is offensive, he seems honest. Uh, do you want straight or polite? Um, not that you shouldn't have to, or that you shouldn't be both, but if I were voting, I don't want bull. I, want, I would have voted for a feeling that was uh, transparent, and politics has a reputation of not being that. Now she's apologizing for saying <laughs> that she would have voted for Trump. Do you have to apologize to say who you voted for now? Well, you know, I, I do find that kind of sad. I mean, if somebody voted for Trump, they voted for Trump. There's lots of people who voted for Rob Ford, and they didn't apologize. I mean, it may have boggled the mind at the time, but still. Um, the other thing, too, is is that if you're not a political pundit and you aren't always steeped in politics and reading up on it and about it every day, don't comment on it. Come up, you know, your, your, your PR team should really say, listen, if they do ask you anything about politics, you know, just say, you know, give them another answer, to, you know, versus you know, who you voted for and, or who you didn't vote for and, you know, or voting as a, as a private, as long as I have my choice, I think that that's what really matters. Oddly you know? enough, it was, remember, the Dixie Chicks had the same problem well, in the UK as well. Yeah. They did it over in Europe and they said, I'm ashamed that George Bush is my president. Yeah. And guess what happened? Their entire audience, predominantly in the southern United States, which is heavily Republican, basically abandoned them and yeah. they never, ever really recovered from no, that. That's true. So I think that as an entertainer, unless you are politically active and you're known for being an activist, just stay away from the question and come up with a block and bridge answer. I'm just here to sing. I'm just here to sing. Yeah, exactly. That's a good answer. Alyssa Freeman is with (laughs) us, PR and pop culture expert principal at Alyssa Freeman PR. Alyssa, as always, thank you for the time. Much appreciated. And I'm sorry if I yelled at you early. I like it when you yell at me, Scott. It just gets my dukes up. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. The Trans Mountain Pipeline has been in the news recently due to the project apparently being in limbo. However, another major pipeline project still awaiting for a decision by regulators in Minnesota. Uh, this is the Line 3 uh, replacement pipeline going from uh, just, I guess, uh, central Alberta down into Wisconsin uh, in Lake Superior country. Here's Dan McTagg, former Liberal MP, consumer affairs uh, critic and analyst as well. GasBuddy.com to find out more. He is with us now. Dan, how are you? Thanks for taking the time to join us today. 
<laughs> I'm fine. Thanks for having me, Scott. A lot of pipeline issues these uh, past few months. Boy, are there ever. Uh, more than probably most would, would imagine. But before we get to this one, any updates with Kinder Morgan? Uh, obviously, they put a, a May 31st uh, deadline on this uh, to try to get some action. The Liberals had their big convention this weekend. Any chatter of this there at all? Well, I don't uh, follow uh, the Liberal Party as I once did. Um, perhaps I should. Uh, what did concern me was uh, commentary to the effect that uh, they need to uh, further their uh, their hit on emissions, industrial emissions in Canada. That's a code word for shutting down your refineries. Uh, make no mistake, if you're going to saddle refineries with uh, further costs uh, to meet international object, uh, objectives, which I might add, no refinery in the world has ever obtained, it uh, is likely to see uh, more refineries simply shut down and uh, choose to move on. Uh, of course, it's uh, the devil's in the details. We don't know exactly what they're proposing, but I really don't like the double speak of, on the one hand, promoting a pipeline that is crucial to the national interest and the finances of this country, and at the same time uh, trying to suggest that somehow Canada should uh, you know, simply offload uh, the ability to refine its own products. So if you don't like $1.37 for a litre of gasoline, you're not going to like higher prices that are associated with continuous movement towards attacking uh, both our oil and our petroleum industries. Uh, the Prime Minister, again, over the weekend, reiterating the pipeline will be built. It was odd because Quebec Premier Couillard was standing behind him, who obviously stopped a recent pipeline from going through Quebec. The body language was fascinating there. Well, it might be, except that I don't think Mr. Premier Couillard or anybody, any other Premier, uh, has a problem accepting equalization payments. In Quebec's case, 50% of all uh, the good that is uh, done in this country is spent by Quebec. So, you, you know, on one hand, you can get mad, but you can also, you know, uh, keep your fingers crossed that no one, uh, uh, you know, somehow, some other way, this oil is going to get to market because it has a lot to do with supporting uh, the national finances. And so <laughs> there's a number of ways in which to approach this. The most logical one is, uh, do you want to continue to have no future in our number one uh, industry, or do you want to uh, simply find something else uh, in another way in which to uh, make ends meet things like paying for your hospital beds, paying for your social programs, paying for your public service, paying for jobs for the future. These are all things that uh, Canadians uh, uh, understand, but apparently some politicians are too cute by half. Uh, in the case of Quebec, uh, being my family's from there, I'm fluently bilingual, so I, I can actually say with uh, absolute certainty, uh, you can't have it both ways. Why did why did very good? Why did they why did they stop the energy east? What was their reasoning for it? Uh, zealotry. Uh, there's a lot of uh, environmentalists in that province, as there is across Canada. But in this case, they decided to become a little bit more militant, uh, take matters into their own hands. The former mayor of uh, of Montreal thought it'd be a really great issue on which to campaign on. So much so in terms of new technologies. Uh, he had uh, sponsored uh, an F1 race of electric cars yeah. and wound up uh, blowing the finances of the city. Of course, not to mention the fact that uh, dumping 6 billion liters of raw sewage into the St. Lawrence, which, by the way, is an international waterway. I'm quite surprised nobody picked up on that. The Americans should have been absolutely livid. But that aside, the fact was that it was uh, derailed by uh, environmental zealotry and, uh, and a, a good number of people out there. Uh, who think nothing of uh, you know uh, the paved roads that they have, the cement on which they walk, the cell phones in which they use, the pharmaceuticals which they ingest. All of these things cannot happen without fossil fuels, but uh, somehow 
in certain regions uh, of, of one's mind, these things are, uh, are, are, are not present. And, of course, people tend to dumb down or not think of the consequences of shutting down that industry. Most susceptibly, Quebec, as I said, which uh, receives 50% of the equalization of all that is generated in this country. Quebec receives 50% of it, but uh, thinks nothing of uh, you know, really cutting its nose off despite its face. Will Kinder Morgan be content? Will they be happy by May 31st? I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, if I were them, I would uh, certainly continue to uh, hope that uh, this thing can be resolved. I, I think it's in no one's interest to have uh, this, uh, this situation uh, derailed. Uh, I think it's uh, going to lead to far more severe consequences. And here I'm not talking about economic in terms of lack of investment or uh, Saskatchewan, which I see has now prepared its legislation to respond to uh, to BC, uh, is saying it will not sell $400 million worth of petroleum products to uh, to British Columbia, siding with Alberta. Uh, I'm equally concerned about a constitutional crisis, which this has given rise to. Um, Canadians are going to have to choose. Uh, and it's, it's very clear, because the other side doesn't want to yield. Uh, Alberta imposed upon itself an, a seven-cent-a-litre carbon tax as a means of obtaining social license, and that isn't good enough. Uh, this small, resolved group of militants, uh, fanatics I would call them, uh, are in fact uh, in a situation where they're about to ruin a pipeline that has uh, and met all of the tests. It will be the most environmentally rigorous te- uh, pipeline in the world bar none. And so uh, this has enormous negative consequences for Canada. I can't see an upside to this, certainly not from a province or a region uh, that sees 23,000 vessels laden with diesel bunker oil passing by the same area and certainly not from communities along the B.C. coast who, while they want to protect the B.C. coast in the name of uh, pre- preventing the Trans Mountain Pipeline from being expanded, uh, have no difficulty dumping effluent from, uh, from, from their places in Victoria where there is no sewage facility. The sewage facility is called the precious waters that you want to protect. When is the rubber going to hit the road here? No pun intended. I mean, it, it seems at this point that this is going to get stuck in delay forever. And, you know, each one just sort of washing their hands with it, saying, well, I'm doing my best. Well, I'm doing my best. Uh, when, well, do, when does the I'm rubber the actually hit the road here and, and, and we see what happens here? Well, you're going to have to get, build a pipeline or you're, you're going to, you know, continue to dither the way that uh, we saw with the Dakota Access Pipeline in the United States. Uh, the previous administration decided to sort of wait and look it out, watch the protesters. The new administration came in and said, uh, your protest is over. This is going through and we have military, we'll in fact use, in- this is what Trump had threatened, the military. And of course, the protesters moved on. Uh, it was a small stub under a lake. Uh, there's been no issue about that since then. But someone's going to take the bull by the horns. Why? Is that what's going to happen I, here? I, do, you, do you see Trudeau standing up against uh, these militant uh, protesters? I mean, is that what's going to happen here? Well, I think Trudeau's really understanding that Milton protesters aren't going to support him. If anything, uh, he has to understand the Milton protesters have already decided he's not left-wing enough, he's not green enough. Uh, they want to reduce the Canadian economy to wishful thinking of windmills and uh, solar panels and all these other wonderful things that are built in China uh, without taking into consideration their effect on, on, uh, on things such as, uh, you know, on, on emissions. Uh, I think he, if a smart man, would take these things and recognize that uh, the gig is up, uh, fish or cut bait, time to get back on track and uh, exercise his national authority uh, and sit down with Kinder Morgan and say, here's how we're going to build it. We start next month, um, get ready, and we will use whatever means at our disposal, uh, our disposal to do that. The fact that he's sort of weighed, wait, waited this long uh, when these issues were bubbling in January and even before then, 
surprises me. Um, but I know for a fact that his government cannot afford to lose any more investments in Canada. It's our number one industry by far and away. We've lost $50 billion, that's B, in potential investments into our energy sector. Uh, it's really become... Uh, you know, a, a, a bit of a concern among uh, analysts as well as investors around the world that Canada is allowing itself to be subjected to this. And in the long run, uh, it will have effects on our standard living, on our ability to create jobs, to create wealth, and to manage uh, responsibly our resources. Because if you can do it for Kinder Morgan's Trans Mountain Pipeline, if you've been able to do it for Energy East, then say goodnight to Energy. Uh, this is something, Scott, you and I talked about a little earlier. We're concerned about uh, Enbridge Line 5 and how that's going to go. Montana, I mean, uh, Minnesota will make a decision on that. But there's also Enbridge uh, Line 3 and 5. Yeah. Uh, if we see that the new proposal to uh, allow Enbridge Line uh, 5 under the Straits of Mackinac, which is in Michigan State, to be blocked. Good night to our refineries here in Ontario. You will not have any oil to process in Sarnia or in Nanticoke. Uh, how are you, we going to handle that? I don't know, but we, it's very hard to get crude supplies in that easily. Uh, this uh, pipeline, the replacement for Line 3 going from Edmonton down into Wisconsin, uh, the far edge of, of Lake Superior, uh, this is replacement of an existing pipeline, correct? Correct. Yeah, approved on by both sides at the national level. At the same time the Kinder Morgan one was, apparently. Yeah, it was, <laughs> except that this one is a little harder for the environmentalists uh, to try to argue against because it's replacing an existing line. The right. existing line could be responsibly, you know, could leak. And so I don't think that's in anyone's interest. But it goes to show you just how misleading and how devious the environmental movement is because they want to stop the pipeline. They don't actually care about its replacement. They actually don't want any more oil coming from Canada. And that's really what this is about. Um if Canadians don't want oil, that's fine. Uh, but uh, how are you going to roof your house? How are you going to talk on telephones? How are you going to look through your glasses? Your pharmaceutical and every industry is touched by fossil fuels in very positive ways, I might add. Uh, if Canada thinks that somehow it can magically wave a wand and uh, uh, you know return us all to the state of nature, eating acorns and wearing animal skins, uh, I want to hear that. But I also want to hear politicians who are giving comfort to this kind of zealotry and fanaticism because I think it's undermining the ability for me to ensure that my kids are going to have work, that uh, my parents will have a place to go in the hospital should they become sick, and that there will be a pension system that's viable for, the, for this country. It doesn't grow on trees, folks. Uh, you talked earlier in a discussion that we were having in regard to Kinder Morgan that this will be the last one built. Where are we with this? Is, is this where is this industry? Is it dead? Well, it's DOA, uh, unless you want to truck the product across the border. I don't know if anybody picked up the latest Reuters story, but it's an interesting one. Uh, not being able to get our oil to market, uh, suppliers are now taking trucks, 200 barrels per truck, and driving 3,000 trucks a day across the Saskatchewan and Alberta borders in order to supply the U.S. markets, who desperately want our heavy oil. Everybody does, by the way. Everybody wants Canadian crude. Make no mistake, economically, it's number one with a bullet, not just because it's discounted, but because it's it's product that actually you can do a hell of a lot more with than the uh, the uh, light oil that is in the United States. The tight light oil uh, also has products in it called naphtha, which I like to refer to as craptha because it's very hard for uh, companies to get rid of that stuff, and it does have environmental consequences. That aside, uh, this is it, because Bill C-69 that the Trudeau Liberals are pushing forward uh, is so stringent, requiring so many, everybody and their brother, uh, and all of the... Uh, 
uh, all of the protesters to come in and get their support. Uh, it's not likely you're going to ever receive that again. So once Kinder Morgan is finished, uh, I don't see Canada being able to build any more oil, oil pipelines, especially given that uh, the legislation to me appears to be complete, utter capitulation and throwing in the uh, the towel, allowing basically the environmentalists and other groups to decide what is in the best interest of, uh, of the oil industry. That's a little bit like surrendering, you know, the, ch- the, the proverbial uh, chicken coop to the fox. So after June 1st, do, do, do bulldozers start rolling? I mean, do things start moving? Well, I mean, we'll have to see if June 1st is the date. Uh, Kinder Morgan's already said that backing out if it doesn't have anything in plan. And sorry, stated last week, end of middle of last week, that after 10 days, this thing appears not to be going anywhere. Uh, unless the federal government actually buys the pipeline out and can then use that to, you know, to hold out the legal uh, clarification that BC is using as a strategy to prevent the uh, the pipeline because they couldn't care less about constitutional jurisdiction. They're interested in forcing this pipeline to do what they don't do for anything else, and that's to uh, uh, to have jurisdiction over any potential spill. Uh, BC has very little in the way of any spill uh, resolution. What it has, uh, it certainly doesn't allow in big bunker. Uh, fuel uh, ferries are you know, traveling in the middle of the night in very dangerous waters without tugs at uh, twice the speed that uh, these vessels that would be bringing out uh, the heavy oil from uh, from Kinder Morgan. But I think Kinder Morgan's made it very clear we're out. And uh, I think the two, if, if there isn't a, uh, an alternative plan, then I think both BC and uh, Saskatchewan, uh, rather Alberta and Saskatchewan, are prepared to pull the trigger of shutting down the resources uh, through the existing Kinder Morgan. And that should uh, make for a very interesting drive for uh, folks out there who are trying to get from. Uh, point A to point B. Wow. So at this line, uh, the replacement for line three from Edmonton down into Wisconsin, is it the U.S.? It's the U.S. that's holding this up at this point, is it not? Yeah, I think this is uh, petitions by various uh, uh, green entities uh, who are trying to do exactly as they did with the uh, North, uh, uh, the uh, any, uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, North Dakota access pipeline, as they did with the Keystone XL, as they're doing with uh, line uh, five line three is also in the same sort of boat. Uh, they are using every uh, you know strategy at their disposal to try to uh, to try to prevent the uh, pipeline from being rebuilt, shut down, and then rebuilt on the same trench using the same you know rights of way, etc. Going to be a hard argument to make, but uh, it's all subject now to state law. The states, I guess, will uh, will make a decision. Uh, my sense is that that won't be a problem, but. I don't know uh, U.S. law, and I'd hate to try to, you know, second-guess what they're going to think. All I know is that uh, Canadians have uh, a lot to be concerned about, uh, especially given that environmentalists in Canada are damn determined to destroy and undermining an important segment of our economy. So uh, between Line 3 and the Kinder Morgan, uh, or the other uh, pipeline going out um, uh, to the coast, does one have more of a chance of being built than the other? Well, Kinder Morgan's the one that's received all the approvals, uh, and uh, line uh, uh, line three here has also received both the federal Canadian government approval and the U.S. government approval. It's the stuff in between that might deal with property law and, and things like that. That is uh, that is still you know up in the air, but I think will be resolved uh, once the if, if the state of Minnesota says yes, and it has a reason to. It's not just that it's crossing its its lands. It's not just that. It's potential to head in different directions. It supplies a lot of U.S. heavy U.S. refineries in Chicago and the U.S. Midwest. You block that one off, American refiners are going to have a real problem. So I, I sense that this thing will get resolved, but 
uh, as refiners and the oil industry in the United States is quantifiably different. They're very proactive in the United States. They are very supportive of their oil and gasoline industries down there and their pipeline industries, unlike Canada, which allows a fringe to basically hold up the interests of the whole country. And that means you folks uh, that are listening to us here, Scott, that can think that there's nothing of it. I'd like to remind people they're upset with a dollar thirty-seven. Well, the reason we don't get our oil to market is costing our Canadian dollar about 27% in value. That's working out to 15 cents a litre. You'd be paying a buck 21 today, not a dollar 37, if uh, pipelines weren't blocked in this country. So next time an environmentalist has a wonderful, trendy idea for you, you may want to ask them to pay for that difference, which amounts to 15 cents a litre. Let's uh, take 60 litres a week. That's nine bucks uh, times 50. That's 400 bucks out of your pocket a year. And that's just for people to do average driving. I'm not even talking about diesel, jet fuel, and how it makes its way through the economy. This is hurting Canada. Wake up. What about the silent majority here? Is there any backlash to these protesters? Everybody's just assuming that, you know, the protesters are going to stop it. They're ruling the roost here. They're speaking for everybody. Are they? I mean, is there there any sort of pro-pipeline backlash here? Well, there isn't in, in BC, and we've seen a bit of a, tur- a, a turnaround. Even in BC, where there was a opposition to the Kinder Morgan was, uh, you know, was uh, was in the majority only a month and a half ago. But a buck fifty-seven, buck fifty-six a liter has started to cause ordinary, average people to, to second guess, uh, to second guess this whole strategy, and are now we've seen a six percent increase in the rise of people in favor of the pipeline. Uh, there's a lot of discussion in that part of uh, our country over this thing. But it's, uh, as I mentioned to you last time, Scott, uh, the oil industry in, in Ontario is worth about $4 billion in economic activity. It's also about 1,600 companies hiring tens of thousands of Ontarians. So beyond what's costing at the pumps, beyond the fact that all of our commodities are priced in U.S. terms and a weaker Canadian dollar means a rise in the standard of living, the cost of living for Canadians, there is, of course, direct correlation. And we know that better than most right here in Hamilton, where steel is our, our mainstay. Uh, a lot of products that are, that are made here are actually sent out there. And uh, so what's good for Alberta is damn good for us here in Ontario. And I wish people would start to pay a little bit more attention because it has everything to do with maintaining your standard of living. Next time you go to a hospital and the uh, government tells you they don't have enough money for hospital beds uh, without incurring massive deficits, you might you may want to start to ask why. Dan McTagg has been with us, former Liberal MP and Consumer Affairs Critic Analyst, GasBuddy.com, to find out more, talking about pipelines and what it takes to get them built. Dan, thanks for the time, as always. Much appreciated. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. Graham Rockingham is with us, uh, music critic with your Hamilton Spectator. And, of course, you can read him there and at thespec.com. Uh, Sometimes Graham and I just feel like women. Uh, speak for yourself. <laughs> all right. So, uh, let's talk about, uh, oh, first of all, Graham Rockingham with us. Thanks for coming. We, we, we love it when you come on the show. Music critic from your Hamilton Spectator. Great to have you here, Graham. Okay. <laughs> Shania, Tw- Shania Twain, of course, uh, hosting the Canadian Country Music Awards coming up in September. Uh, she's over in, I, I guess, the UK, doing a, a UK leg of her tour there now. Uh, it seems that UK reporters, for some reason, like to ask North American artists about the US president. Uh, we saw the Dixie Chicks go through the same thing. Mm-hmm. And obviously, uh, Shania Twain has spoke out and said something along the lines of uh, she wouldn't have voted, or she would have voted, rather, for Donald Trump. Now she's apologizing and saying that she, you know, she shouldn't have said that. Why does she have to apologize 
for uh, talking about Donald Trump, do you think? Well, the Twitterverse just went wild with it. Um, I mean, this quote was buried at the, you know, I think it was the second last Yeah, the very end of the article, of a, yeah. Uh, of a very long feature, which she was very open and candid about many, many things, many pers- very personal things. Um, and then she said, they asked about Trump, and she said, I would have voted for him because even though he was offensive, he seemed honest. Yeah. That's an extraordinary thing to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we have this, uh, uh, I mean, Shania Twain, the uh, best-selling, most popular female solo artist of all time in the world, um, she's made a, uh, uh, I mean, including the song you just played. I mean, she's made very uh, uh, strong woman songs. That's what she's really known mm-hmm, for, mm-hmm. you know, girl power. Mm-hmm. And and Donald Trump isn't. Yeah. And so for her to say something like this, I think uh, uh, it shocked a lot of people. And and there was angry, uh, you know, the Twitter verse went wild. And within hours, I mean, this was in the Sunday Guardian, by Sunday night, um, she was apologizing, and and she's very. Uh, um, I mean, she she says, uh, uh, my answer was awkward, but certainly should not be taken as a representative of my values. Nor does it mean I endorse him. I mean, she just said she has, she doesn't agree with him on any moral point, right? Which is so different from saying I would vote for him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, she's it's it's a. I mean, so can enough time explaining her way out of this one, but um, so hmm. can is this a notice to any performer, Hollywood star, whatever? You you can't come out and support Donald Trump. And again, I'm not ta- I'm not taking I'm not yeah. taking Donald Trump's side here, but who cares? I mean, obviously, some people. I mean, yeah. I think the, the these uh, uh, the world is politically or the United States. The whole world is so politically. Uh, polarized right yeah. now. It's yeah. a dangerous thing to do. And I think, uh, you know, when you have a, uh, an artist who has such a wide range of fans, mm. you, 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 it's, it's different than somebody like Bruce Springsteen saying it. I mean, yeah. Bruce Springsteen has been de- denouncing Trump uh, uh, since day one, yeah. um, and, and 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 quite vocally, uh, but I don't think he's turning away, uh, turning off his fans by doing it. If anything, he's uh, he, he's uh, you know he's he, he's got them backing, but uh, we have a much different mix with uh, with Twain, and uh, I'm uh, <laughs> you know it's it's tough because yes, uh, it's. If she wants to say things like this, great. But uh, and, and is this further proof that some musicians just shouldn't weigh into politics? <sighs> some shouldn't. I'm sure she regrets it. You know, it's interesting. I remember one time you two being interviewed. Yes. Uh, I think it was George uh, Strombopolopopopoulos yeah. that was doing the interview after a show. And, of course, Bono, very, uh, you know, a lot of politics there, a lot of political views there. And, and, and he was talking about that in various causes. 
and uh, George said something to the bass player, Adam Clayton, mm-hmm. and basically said, what are your thoughts on all this? And he just shrugs his old shoulders and says, I don't know about any of this crap. Didn't, you, <laughs> didn't use this, that word. He said, I don't yeah. know about any of that ass. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah, play yeah. the bass. There you go. <laughs> Again, one, and, and there's one a, character. There's a difference there, too. I mean, when you have somebody like Bono, when his, he's making political statements, he's basically saying famine is bad, Poverty is bad. War is bad. I mean, when you make statements like that, you're not going to turn a lot of people off. But when you make a, a statement about endorsing a particular politician... Half of them you're going to tick off anyway. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, and, and that's what happened here. Um, and, and, you know, the other, uh, on the other side of it, you know, I, I've always said artists should feel free to uh, express political opinions. I mean, there's a long... Yeah healthy uh, uh, history yep. uh, of that. And, uh, of course, it's usually coming from the other side, though, isn't it? So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little mm-hmm. different here. Yeah. Uh, will the, like you said, either way, you're going to tick off 50% of the people, no matter mm-hmm. what your position is. Mm-hmm. Will the apology backfire? Because she is, she is in the, you know, you talk about the southern United States. Yeah, I like Trump. Yeah, all right. All of a sudden, Shania's sales go up. And then all of a sudden, she goes, no, 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 that's not what I meant. Well, Frankly, I, I think people are going to forget about this pretty fast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, she, her apology was interesting. Basically, what she's saying is that she understands why people voted for her. Yeah. And uh, although, and 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 we've all said enough. that, yeah, and uh, and so she's she's trying to explain it that way. Except she came out with such a strong statement. I mean, she didn't have to say that. It was crazy. I mean, yeah. she's not even a, she couldn't even vote in the election. She's not an American citizen. Right. She's yeah. Canadian. So she could have just sidestepped it completely. But for to say, I I mean, definitely would have uh, uh, voted for him. Mm. You know, and 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 and. It's it's hard to take that back. But well, he's trying to. You know, uh, the next question: How long does this last? Yeah, we I, remember I, I, I what think... happened to the Dixie Chicks, man. They went again. UK said yeah. something about George Bush, and mm. then they were gone. Now, a lot of that might have been choice. They decided they were out of this. Yeah, uh, but but you know, how do you explain that? It's. Uh, 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 Bush and Trump are different types of people. I mean, we, uh, I mean, let's face it. We have a, uh, this this man who is president of the United States is very, very offensive. Yeah. And and he and he pride seems to pride himself on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, with all the the smut that keeps coming out of him, uh, especially for you know uh, uh, regarding women. Yeah. And and uh, and and. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, I was shocked by what Shania said too this morning. Mm-hmm. So, but I think it, it'll go, it'll go away because you, you know what happens with Trump. Uh, uh, there's always going to be something more shocking. Yes, the <laughs> that next will, day that will trump your headline. Exactly, yeah. and that and that seems so. You know, everything gets forgotten about fast. And we'll see. I, I would love to be able to talk to uh, Shania uh, before she comes here. She's got a concert coming up June 30th. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so I'm sure she'll be asked about it more. Um, 
Let's talk uh, about Shania Twain. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, uh, this relaunch of her career, this this new mm-hmm. uh, album and tour. She's in the UK. How has this been going for her? Well, there's still tickets for sale for a June 30th show at uh, uh, First Ontario Centre. Hmm. Um, they're pretty expensive, though. Yeah, that's what I'm. I'm surprised by. I mean, when you're looking at. Uh, 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 first tier seats for one hundred and forty dollars plus wow. fees and everything else. I, that's that's a lot. I mean, the cheap seats are, cheap seats are uh, ninety bucks. Yeah. So, um, I'm I'm wondering. I'd like to ask her about that. Yeah. <laughs> that's not going to make fans happy. Um, I think. Uh, uh, what about the I, album? The album is fine. There's some uh, uh, strong tracks on it. It's not the Up album, though. Yeah. You know, it's not the albums that were selling in the tens of millions mm-hmm. uh, uh, 20 years ago. Um, so uh, that's kind of a lot. But, I mean, when the fans come out to a show, a tour, they want to see all the old songs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's what they'll get, undoubtedly. And there's It'll plenty be, of them. There's plenty of them, and there's. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I'm sure her voice is fine, and uh, and and whether she's lost any. I mean, she went for, through a period uh, where she had to have throat surgery because of the Lyme disease, and uh, and so we'll see see how she rebounds from that. Because it is, you know, she puts on an incredibly energetic show, um, and uh, and it's it's tough to get there. So get to the end, and we'll see how how she lasts. Because the tours are always a big, a big trial. Uh, and she's she's fifty two. She's not a yeah. young woman anymore. And this is a big production, from what I understand, is it not? I'm sure it is. Yeah. Always, uh, uh, Shania Twain shows are always big productions. I mean, uh, uh, I, I, the huge show she put on here. Remember, uh, two thousand and three, the Up tour, which was mm. one of the biggest tours of all time. Uh, uh, she was here for two weeks rehearsing and yeah, putting that, that stage together yeah. and still holds the record for Cops Coliseum, uh, uh, over 18,000, so almost 19,000 people she put in there. And she was all over, the, literally all over the building. I mean, mm. she would have a disappearing act and show up in the, uh, uh, in, in the two uh, uh, second-tier seats. <laughs> so yeah. She's, yeah. she's quite a performer, there's no doubt about that. Uh, where is country music going right now? Is it where Shania Twain is at? Uh, very different time during that Up album. Very different production. Mm-hmm. Very, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's different now. Does she still resonate well, with younger fans? Uh, with uh, the younger fans, that's a good question. I doubt it. Um, but, I mean, she's still got the people that were fans 20 years ago, so yeah. that tells you how old they are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, uh to, to give her credit, I mean, she helped create what country music is now. Mm. She took, you know, she she took it uh, by the hand and led it into a pop-oriented world, mm-hmm. and that's uh, 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 and and she, you know that that's who she did. I mean, there's, I would say that uh, uh, whether you like the new country now or not, I mean, she started it yeah. in, in so many different ways. Um, what is new country now, and hasn't that been around for a hundred years? It's called rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I but mean, you, but you, you know, uh, uh, her husband obviously produced these albums. Much, 
uh, Mutt Lang and, you know, very poppy, very heavy with the production. Uh, Many in Nashville didn't like where it was going. Now we see where country is, and it's almost a bit grungier. It's not as slick as as those production days. There's no mid-riff stuff anymore. So how does that fit in? I, I would like country to return to its roots, and I hear it a lot in Chris Stapleton. You know, you're hearing he's amazing, more, isn't he? He's amazing. I love he's that guy. Traditional stuff. Yeah. Um, but he did he a thing does, on Saturday Night Live. My God, it was just driving, mm-hmm, Graham. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But uh, but there's it's it's not as slick. It seems a lot more honest. Yeah. And that's what uh, uh, that's what we need in country music now. So uh, is she? Will they look at her now? At, well, she's getting the award. The it's like a lifetime achievement. What's it called? A generation award. Yeah, which, which usually means you're old. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, they, well, the only other time uh, the CCMA's given it out was to uh, Taylor Swift. Mm. So, well, there you go. That's good yeah. company. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, uh, will is this is this album getting radio play on country music radio? Yes. And it will, as the tour comes up, as you know, that's what tours do. They promote the songs. Uh, 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 it's not getting, again, it's not nothing like it was 20 years ago. Of course. Right. And uh, nothing sells yeah. uh, anymore either. It's almost, you know, um, uh, CDs and albums right now seem to be just something for an artist to be able to sell on tour. They're almost like merchandise rather than mm. uh, product. They're, 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 it's, you know, it's it's very difficult to judge an artist, a musical artist's uh, 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 popularity by CD sales now, because nobody's buying them. Yeah, good point. Uh, let's talk about her hosting the Canadian uh, Country Music Awards. How much of a coup is this for the show? It's, it's huge. It's still a big guess, right? It's huge. This is a uh, oh yeah, and and and. I, I don't think they could have gotten anybody bigger. Yeah. Certainly not anybody who's Canadian anyway. Yeah, so yeah. so it's a huge thing. It's a huge thing for the uh, CCMA. It's a huge thing for CBC. Don't forget, this is a TV show. Yeah. And uh, it draws o- over 2 million uh, viewers. So, uh, again, that's what it's all about. And, yeah, she will bring people to the TV show. And they, they will come even if they don't like her. Just... <laughs> You know, and yeah. she's good at it. I mean, uh, she hasn't hosted the CCMAs before, but she has hosted the Junos. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and did very well. Uh, and and I think she'll handle herself fine. Of course, she'll perform too, and mm. people like that. So it is a is a huge thing, and it will help fill the seats. Uh, uh, September 9th at the First Ontario Centre, too. Uh, Shania Twain would get airplay with these albums on uh, adult contemporary radio and huh. such. Would you would you <laughs> see this crossover happening now, or is she now just a country artist? Don't mean to make that sound the way it is, but pigeonholed as a country artist. That's interesting. Um, I think she's still more towards pop. Yeah. I, I And I think... Uh, her fans don't necessarily see her as a uh, as a country artist. Right. I mean, she lives in a mansion in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. It's hard to imagine. <laughs> I mean, she's, well, that she's doesn't not... mean she can't have a great Hank Williams collection. <laughs> uh, it's true. It's true. It's true. So I hope she does. I, I have a great Hank Williams collection. So. How big is it for Hamilton to get this show again? Uh, obviously, Hamilton loves its country music. 
Um, it is a, it's, it's really the, the whole area, you know, we're drawing from Caledonia, we're drawing yeah. from, uh, uh, Simcoe, uh, from Niagara. Uh, yeah, it is a popular thing. That's why, uh, Live Nation puts all the big acts, uh, country acts here in, in, into, uh, First Ontario Centre. Um, it is, uh, a big, uh, money generator, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it, it does come with a cost, um, uh, the city has to hand over several hundred thousand dollars to uh, the CCMAs for the privilege of doing it, which you also have to do for the Junos. But does this change the city the way the Junos does? Does sure, um, not quite as much, but you you, you can still think of uh, uh, you know it's a four-day event because it is Canadian Country Music Week. There'll be shows going on all during that. It'll be a little bit like the the. Uh, Juno weekend is, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, a lot of people come in. The hotels will be filled. Um, you, you, you could talk as much of a uh, as a ten million dollar input into the city. That's uh, uh, I think the Junos are estimated at twelve million. So it is a big driver, and yeah, we get to uh, 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 show ourselves on national television again too, and. Uh, and, and never so this hurts. Is all good. Yep. Never hurts. Yeah. And then we'll have that sign in place by then. We'll have be that beautiful. Sign up. Yeah. How many how many videos is that sign going to be in? It's going to be amazing. <laughs> I love the sign. I'm all in. I was I was really uh, impressed when I saw it. I, yeah. I, I like it better than the Toronto sign. There well, you go. Well, of course, it's got more letters. <laughs> it's got more letters, that's right. Graham Rockingham has been with us, music critic for your Hamilton Spectator. You can read him there and at thespec.com. Graham, as always, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Pleasure. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML.